Mark chapter 7. A few years back, my sister was sharing with me. They uh, were involved in uh, jiu-jitsu. They went to a class for jiu-jitsu. And they, one of the instructors there uh, was a, a physical specimen of a man. I mean, he, he had the big muscles and, and all these things. He's a martial arts expert. Uh, he lifted weights. He ran. He was he just everything. you To look at him, everything was going well physically for him. But he dropped of a heart attack and died in his 40s. Everything looked good on the outside, but on the inside, something was desperately wrong. You know, I'm convinced that God cares more about what's the, on the inside than he does on what's on the outside. In Noah's day, it said that God examined the hearts of men and saw that their hearts were thinking of only evil all the time. Uh, the Bible also says man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. So we need to have our hearts right before God. And then out of our hearts, the issues of life will come. The outer stuff will take place in the way that God desires if the inner heart is right with Him. And so this scripture is actually a debate, but also an illustration. Because the debate is whether or not the Pharisees are right about cleansing or whether Jesus is right about cleansing. The Pharisees say, look, Jesus, your disciples need to get with the program. We have a tradition. And according to our tradition, you're supposed to not eat with unwashed hands. You're supposed to do these ritual washings. Now, these ritual washings the Pharisees are describing were in the actual Old Testament law. But they were based on the Old Testament law and some of the cleansing ritual that was there. Uh, and he said, Jesus, your disciples are just missing it. They're not doing what they ought to be doing. And Jesus said, wait a second. What you eat and what goes into your body isn't what makes you unclean. What you do outwardly is not what makes you unclean. It's out of the heart that come adulteries and murders and all these things. It's your heart that makes you unclean. So that was the basic debate that's taking place. But then Jesus also gives a couple of illustrations of that. One is... Uh, here in uh, the healing of this Syrophoenician woman. Uh, she comes to him and, and asks for healing uh, for her daughter who's possessed by a demon. Jesus said it's not right to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Now, it doesn't sound quite as bad in the original because it's actually a diminutive, the little dogs. Uh, and so, uh, but, but what was Jesus trying to say? He was saying, look, there's a priority for Israel here. I've come to minister to Israel. But this was how strong this woman was in her faith. She persisted in calling upon Jesus despite all of that. And the Bible says Jesus healed her. Now, she was considered unclean to the Jewish people because she was a Gentile. Then you see that Jesus is healing uh, beggars. And by the way, any, any um, this, I know this is kind of gross, but any fluid that comes out of your body would make you ceremonially unclean in the Old Testament. Okay? Those uh, 
I won't get into detail with that, but you get the picture. So Jesus actually spits. This man is deaf and dumb. He can't speak. Jesus spits and he puts it on his tongue. Now, is that not gross? What is Jesus doing? Well, Jesus is showing a picture of the fact that this man's uncleanness is being cleansed. And through this fluid that comes out of him that was supposed to be unclean, this man who is deaf and dumb is set free and is cleansed by God's power. Uh, So Jesus not only argues and makes a good argument, but Jesus demonstrates his argument through what he does. And Mark includes these things together for our instruction. So uh, uh, we need to choose what truly matters to God in life. And that's the title of my message, Choosing What Matters to God. Look with me at verse 1 of Mark 7. Says the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. But the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping with the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they've washed. And there are many other customs they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, drums, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father and mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is korban. That is an offering devoted to God. You no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many other similar things. Summoning the crowd, he, again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into the person from outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. But he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. 
And she was asking him to cast out a demon from her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed and the demon was gone. Again, leaving the region of Tyre, he went by the way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee through the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had difficulty speaking and begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So he took him away from the crowd in private. After putting his fingers in the man's ears and spitting, he touched his tongue. Looking up to heaven, he sighed deeply and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be open. Immediately his ears were opened. His tongue was loosed, and he began to speak clearly. He ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. They were extremely astonished and said, he has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Choosing what matters to God. What should we choose? Well, first of all, choose a devoted heart. Choose a devoted heart. Jesus says in verse 6, as he quotes Isaiah, he says, The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. To put that in American English, in our idioms, uh, they're talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. Uh, They are not truly devoted to me in their heart. Uh, We see devotion to God through Jesus Christ. He's the perfect example of it, don't we? He was obedient to everything that God told him to do. And he underwent persecution and ultimately went to his death in obedience to God. But we also see it in 11 of the 12 apostles who were put to death for their faith. Some believe all 12 were. That's, that's debated. John was on the, in prison on the Isle of Patmos uh, in, in an advanced age. Uh, but they all suffered for Jesus. They were willing to follow Jesus even though it cost them the ultimate price. But what does devotion look like for people who are not undergoing persecution? I think of the elderly people who have great pain in their bodies who get ready anyway and come to church on a regular basis. That impresses me. <laughs> Fires me up, actually. Kind of pumps me up. Um, Or those who serve faithfully year after year after year in the church of God. Or those who share their faith in Christ. But you can even do these things without truly having your heart sold out to Christ. These are outward things that we do. Devotion is an attitude toward God. It is an attitude of love. Um, This is what we desire from each other, right? We want each other to love us. If you want your spouse to love you from the heart, right? You don't want them just saying, okay, okay, okay. Now, what do you want me to say? Okay. And then, you know, you say exactly what they say. No. You want them to to have a heart of love for you that, that just beats for you. Uh, same thing is true in friendship. You want your friends to truly care about you, right? 
I mean, we don't want friends that don't really care about us. They're just putting up with it. Okay, well, I'll spend a little time with you if I have to, you know. Uh, We want genuine devotion from the heart. Now, how can we have this kind of devotion for God from our hearts? I believe there's only one way to truly and consistently have this kind of devotion in your heart for God, and that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, Because the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But all of these things uh, that follow the word love as a fruit of the Spirit are actually in the original language considered to come from this love relationship with God. So it's this love, this supernatural love that God gives us through His Holy Spirit that enables us to love Him the way we should. So that means when I read the Word of God, if I want to respond to it in the correct way, I need to ask God to help me do that through the power of His Holy Spirit. Um, if, if I want to truly worship God, uh, whether it's in music or whether it's through my service, I need to ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit so that I can do this from my heart as, as a heart worship to God. Okay? God doesn't want me just to sing blessed assurance, you know, and so forth uh, outwardly, but not have my heart engaged. He wants me to sing from the heart. Okay? So this comes about through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In order to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, you need to have your sins confessed. You need to be surrendered, and He can help you with that as well. You know, ask Him to surrender through you. You need to be trusting in Him so that you're ready to follow the Holy Spirit as He leads you. Otherwise, you'll quench Him, and you won't have His help. And then you need to ask. I love what Luke's Gospel says. He says... um, How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. But uh, He may be resident, but is He president? Is He in charge? Is He directing your life? Is He living His life through you? I love what the Apostle Paul said. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if you want to have a devoted heart to God, come to God and ask for it. Ask him to fill you with his spirit. Ask Jesus to live his life through you so that you can have a devoted heart to God. And uh, by the way, in any facet of your Christian walk, you need the Holy Spirit. So if, you, if there's one thing you want to master in your Christian life, master how to be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, because that will be the greatest blessing to your Christian walk. Um, so a devoted heart. Uh, choosing what matters to God. It matters a devoted heart to God. Uh, the, the Pharisees had a lot of good things that they were doing outwardly that looked good. But they were actually counteracting what God had said. Through what they were doing. You ever, you ever seen that happen in a church before where someone out of tradition is unloving to a lost person that comes in? Rather than Jesus welcoming the little ones, they reject them because of religion. Listen, 
religion that is in line with Scripture will be a matter of the heart. What did Jesus say? The two most important things are love God, love your neighbor. So, devoted heart. Uh, Secondly, if you want to choose what matters to God, choose a repentant heart. A repentant heart. Jesus talks about what truly defiles our hearts are the things within us. Verse 20 says, What comes out of a person's heart is what defiles him. For from within... Out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Now, all of us have sinned, right? All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have had evil things in our hearts. So what do you do about it? You repent. (laughs) God has given us the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to repent of our sins. That's what taking up your cross daily is all about. It's that choice I make each day. Not my will, Jesus, but yours. Today I want to live for you. Today I lay down my own way. Today I lay down my sin and I choose to follow you. I'm taking up my cross to follow you. It's repentance. Now you need repentance when you put your trust in Christ and you become a Christian. Repentance is involved in that. It's a step of faith that we take. It's an expression of the faith of our heart. True saving faith includes and involves repentance as Jesus told the Pharisees elsewhere. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. This was shocking. These were the guys who were considered the spiritual elites. But Jesus said, no, you need to understand unless you repent of your sin, you're going to perish. We, we talk about hell very rarely. Seems like that's been on my heart lately. I keep mentioning it. But hell's real. It's a real place. It's a place that God doesn't want anybody to go. If you want evidence of that, look at the cross. He sent Jesus to take care of it for us. But if we reject Jesus and if we fail to repent, there's but one destination because God cannot be in the presence of wickedness. He'll not allow it into heaven. The only other alternative is a place called hell. That word perish has the idea of that consistent eternal suffering that takes place in hell. If you've never repented of your sin and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you need to do that while you have the opportunity because God doesn't want you to experience that. If you're a child of God, you need to repent not because you're in danger of hell, because once you've trusted Christ, you're his child, and that's a gift of eternal life that you've received. But you need to repent in order to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to live the abundant life. You also need to repent to avoid the discipline of God, because God will discipline you as his child if you continue in a sinful path. So this repentant heart... Uh, I heard this man, he's a, he's a, a missionary over, I believe it's in India. Uh, and he was talking about praying, God, would you give our church a spirit of repentance or an attitude of repentance? 
And he said that when God answered that prayer, everything just broke loose in his church. And, and God began to do a mighty, mighty work in his church. Uh, such an important key to the Christian life. Listen, if you want God's joy, if you want the peace that passes understanding, you will not find it without repentance. You will not. Because an unrepentant heart quenches the Holy Spirit of God, and the only place we find his joy is in fellowship with him. A repentant heart. So choose a repentant heart. I love what David says. Remember David and his great failure? He, he, had, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he had indirectly murdered her husband to cover up what he had, what he had done because she had become pregnant. And um, finally, after about a year, he took her as his, as his wife. And after about a year, Nathan the prophet comes to him and he rebukes him. And David says, I have sinned. And Psalm 51 records the, the prayer that David prayed. And he pours out his heart to God. And he's talking about the discipline of God. He says, Lord, the bones you have crushed, let them rejoice again. And, and he's feeling that pressure. But I love how he closes the psalm. He says, a broken and crushed spirit, O God, you will not despise. What's he talking about? Repentance. Here's the wonderful thing about God. Whenever you come to him in repentance, he'll receive you. There is not a sinner who ever came to Jesus that Jesus ever turned away when they came with a repentant heart. And so um, choose repentance. And if you're struggling to repent, ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit of, of God to quicken you or strengthen you to help you repent in the way that you should. So choosing what matters to God, what should you choose? Choose a devoted heart, a repentant heart. Thirdly, a trusting heart. A trusting heart. Living with an attitude of dependence upon God. The Pharisees were all about themselves. But this, this Syrophoenician woman comes to Jesus in brokenness and dependence and says, Look, my daughter has a demon. Would you please heal her? And you see that she sees Jesus as the source of everything that she needs. Jesus says some words that, you know, the, the, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Um, there was a priority first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's throughout the New Testament. You see that. But... She doesn't, that doesn't deter her. She, she persists. She's like Jacob holding on to the angel, right? She just won't let go. She says, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall under their master's table. She's holding on to him. She said, Jesus, I'm going to hold on to you till you bless me. That's faith. And Jesus says, because of this response... The demon has left your daughter. A trusting heart. Listen, there's a lot of things people trust in in this world. Some people trust in the opinions of people. 
Some people trust in money. Uh, some people trust in uh, the uh, processes of life. You know, they're, um, if I, well, if I take these health supplements, you know, uh, it's amazing. You, everybody's got a, a theory of how to stay young. But guess, the statistics haven't changed. One out of one, die. <laughs> so, uh, where do we go? With the needs of our lives, where should we focus our trust? Trust in Jesus Christ. Put all your trust in Him. If you have to bet on something, bet on Jesus because He is a trustworthy bet every time. And here's the wonderful thing about Jesus. It's true that in this life we'll have difficulty. Sometimes we will have persecution. Um, but Jesus is always faithful. I love what Hebrews says. In chapter 11 of Hebrews, he talks about all the people who have accomplished things by faith, and that's impressive. But he gets to the end of chapter 11, and he begins to talk about those who are persecuted. And he says, by faith they endured these things so that they might receive a better inheritance. Now, I want to tell you something. There's an inheritance. You can have answered prayer here, and that's great. Praise God for answered prayer. But there's something better than answered prayer here, and that's answered prayer there. <laughs> because what we have here is temporary. What we have there is eternal. And as we endure the things of life, putting all our trust in Jesus Christ. Listen, I want to tell you, you cannot fail putting your trust in Jesus. He will be faithful to you. Uh, the demon leaves her daughter. And by the way, that's yet another reason to trust in Jesus, right? Jesus doesn't even have to speak. You know, we, we talked about the demoniac where Jesus, Jesus tells him go. And he uses one word to send him. But this shows the amazing power of Jesus. He just has to decide. He doesn't even have to say anything. And the demon has to go. That's the God we serve. Listen, he, he's not, his, his hand is not too weak or too short to save, as the scripture says. He can provide coins and fish mouths. Uh, he can provide bread from heaven. Jesus is the God of all gods. So you can put your trust in him. And if you have any doubt about that, just go to the empty tomb. Go to the eyewitnesses found in the pages of Scripture that will tell you we've seen him alive. Death itself can't stand against him. Put your trust in him. The Pharisees had put their trust in the elders. Nothing wrong with getting wisdom from elders. That's a wise thing to do. But never let elders' wisdom or lack thereof, take the place of Scripture. Put your trust in Jesus. So, a devoted heart, a repentant heart, a trusting heart, and finally a cleansed heart. These people are bringing this deaf man to Jesus. He has difficulty speaking. And they begged him to lay his hands on them. Now, this is great. I love the irony of this, uh, of the way the Gospels are put together. And uh, 
Do you remember what the Pharisees' point was? You need to wash your hands. Listen, how many of you can wash your hands in this building? Raise your hand if you can. Not too hard, is it? Pretty easy. Pretty Mickey Mouse. I, most, most three or four-year-olds can do that. What does Jesus do with his hands? He heals a man. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you want to come for cleansing, don't go to the empty opinions of people. You go to Jesus Christ and he'll provide you cleansing. If you need healing, go to Jesus Christ. He is the one who can open the mouths of those who cannot speak and open the ears of those who cannot hear. Jesus holds your cleansing in his hand. They were trying to get cleansing from something outward. But there's not salvation found in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's only one place to find cleansing. And his name is Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, Jesus can provide your cleansing. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If you're ready to surrender your heart in repentance and receive the free gift, it's amazing to me. God says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You earn death, a second death. You earn hell. We, we do that all by ourselves. But salvation is given as a gift. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus paid for that gift on the cross. He paid for it with his spotless life so that we can receive it by faith. And so if you're ready to do that this morning, I want to just call on you to say, you know what, I'm cho- today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. As I step out into this aisle, I'm saying, Jesus, I'm following you. Jesus, I'm trusting you, and I'm going to receive your forgiveness. And then I'll pray with you a prayer. But as you choose to do that in your heart, I believe that's all it takes, right? The Bible says faith is what saves us. Once you put that faith and you make that decision in your heart, Jesus will save your soul. It's that simple. Now, we pray in this church, we pray. And the reason I do that is because there's a promise attached to it. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we do that. So we'll have you come forward, and I'll pray with you if you don't know Christ. And you can experience this supernatural cleansing we're talking about. And you can have your heart changed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. But if you're here today and you know Christ... But perhaps you've drifted from Christ. There's great news for you too because the Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Aren't you grateful for that? Uh, You can come and confess that sin and God has promised he'll be faithful and just to forgive it and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Um, Perhaps your heart has not been where it needs to be. Maybe you're not devoted to the Lord the way you need to be. Maybe you've been going through the motions of your spiritual life and you need to come uh, to this altar and say, Lord, light my fire. (laughs) Renew uh, my passion for you. Help me to be truly devoted to you from my heart. Uh, Maybe you've not been trusting God with the circumstances of your life and you need to say, Lord, today I'm choosing to trust you. Whatever God would lead you to do, we're going to invite you here to come. 
uh, tell God what you, what you would like for him to do for you and help you do, and then make that decision and tell him you're making that decision this morning. If you need prayer, I'd be happy to pray for you, but especially if you don't know Christ, I'm going to just ask you to come here to the front to pray with me uh, this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask, Lord, that this morning people would...